Hello and welcome to the Donor Egg Mama podcast for soul-led intended parents considering a donor egg pathway and parents of donor egg conceived children. I'm your host Adele O'Connor, a qualified fertility coach and proud donor egg mama. I'm just a normal mum that went on an extraordinary journey to conceive. I hope this podcast helps you in some way to break free from emotional overwhelm, face your fears and find the courage to move forward and bring that baby that's on your heart into your reality. Let's talk openly about our emotions and all topics donor egg IVF. Thanks for listening. Hello, my dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Donor Egg Mama. Today, I'm joined with the lovely Elizabeth from WA. She is a lovely, originally French lady from Paris, and she's been living in Australia for 18 years now. She lives there with her husband and her beautiful newborn baby, who is in her arms as I speak to her. So it's it's so lovely. I love having these chats with beautiful donor egg mothers with their babies in their arms. It's a really special thing. And so you might hear Elizabeth's son uh, making some noises at some point. And yeah, that's just even more perfect, I think, you know, as part of this podcast. So as you know, this is my goal with these podcasts is to share stories from real women who have been through the donor egg journey and are out on the other side with their babies in order to help women that are behind them to offer hope and inspiration and also to start changing the narrative for our future children to start to disperse and spell any secrecy or the stigma of shame that sometimes surrounds dinoreg and third-party reproduction. So that's my aim, not only for the people that are behind us on their journey, those women that are in the thick of their journeys, but also for our future children so that if we can be open and honest and celebrate our stories, then that also transfers positively onto our children so they can celebrate their stories as well. So Elizabeth, first of all, I'd love to find out, yeah, just tell me a little bit about your journey in terms of you know, how many IVF cycles you've been through, what were your fertility struggles and how you came to come to use a donor? Yeah, sure. No problem. So I met my now husband later in life. So I met him, I was close turning 40. Yeah. So that was already, a, would have been a hurdle anyway. So by the time I settled into this relationship, we decided to start trying for, uh, for a baby. So at that stage, I was going to turn 42. And so we tried naturally for around three months. Nothing happened. So we decided to straight away seek the help of, of a fertility clinic. So we had an appointment with a fertility specialist who straight away checked my level, which was quite low. I mean, normal for my age, but low anyway. And so, yeah, he told us straight away that, yeah, we can do IVF, but yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge. So then we are back on three cycles. The first cycle got cancelled because I didn't really respond to the high-dose drug. The second, so it was turned into an IUI, which didn't lead to anything. The second cycle, I didn't have any egg. I had egg collection. The third cycle, I just had one egg. And he partially fertilized, which means, yeah, no embryo. So I never, never reached the transfer uh, stage. 
That's devastating. So then we tried the natural wear with naturopath. We followed the Creighton model, which is about really identifying the issues on the cycle and and trying to rectify it. So we did that for around a year until, uh, yeah, we pulled the pin and realized that wasn't working either. Could you just explain that a bit more? What's that called, that model? The Creighton model. Is that it's a, a way, did you say? Natural way of um, looking into the cycle. So you have to you have to monitor your mucus and see when you ovulate. And then you have to take some progesterone and then at a specific time, sometimes having some STG injections to help with the luteal phase. And we try all that, but nothing worked. So I had lots of supplements every day, maybe around 15 supplements every day for, oh for a year. Was that with a naturopath? With a Cretan model expert. Yeah. Okay. I've never even heard so, of that. I'm, yeah. That comes from the US uh, and it's through, it's Catholic, I think originally, but I'm not religious. This is a Catholic thing, I think, uh, is to avoid contraception uh, and is to also avoid doing IVF, obviously, and try to do it a natural way. So uh, that's what we did for a year to see if it was working. I didn't work either. So then we decided to, uh, to seek other ways. And my husband was the one who suggested Dona Egg at first, not me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. That's like really, you know, positive thinking. Some, it's generally us women dragging our husbands along for the journey. <laughs> that was not the case at all. That was him. Yeah. So he was actively researching and looking into everything. Yeah, so he started looking at Dona Egg Australia. He joined the Facebook group there and then suggested that to me. And then so we actually made a profile initially to see if we we're getting any bites but it was really important for me to find someone of my ethnicity which is the french caribbean yes and i just after two months of that we just realized that there's just no chance i'm going to find any donor of my ethnicity in australia it was just yeah we were wasting our time yeah that's really hard and i hear from a lot of women i have my own facebook group that's yeah it's growing it's about 500 women in there but yeah, I've spoken to quite a few women with searching for an ethnicity and that's a real hurdle. Exactly. Exactly. So so as soon as I was okay with this idea of giving up with my DNA, I've started because I've been part of I'm part of quite a few uh donor group on Facebook. And so I just started asking questions about, you know, when I could find someone of my ethnicity and someone suggested Barbados. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh. Okay, that's not something that I would have found myself. So they said there's a really good world-class clinic in Barbados, and I'm sure you'd be able to, yeah, to find some of your ethnicity. So I contacted them. So that was back in August 2021. I've contacted them, and the coordinator was incredible, just replying straight away. And she said, no problem, we can definitely find you a donor of your ethnicity. It's actually 90% of our donor on our book, so... No problem at all. So that was incredible. So the next step was to to have an appointment with the medical director. So which we did. So that was in September. To prepare for this meeting, they asked me to send quite a few um, medical records. So I had all my cycle, all the re full report of that from that clinic. So I sent that through. I had an um, ultrasound of my uterus. So they were kind of wanting to see the health of that. So I sent that through as well. And then by the time I, I had that consultation with that, that medical director, yeah, she had a good idea of, of 
my health and everything and a good picture. And then she said, yeah, I will be a very good candidate. Amazing. So, so this is all done just online, basically, via Zoom or? It was from through WhatsApp, just a conversation. And then they had their own portal where I could upload all those documents. So they were quite advanced and very organized. So it was just really, for us, peace of mind because they're so far away. We said, we just don't want to be scammed or I don't know. We were just thinking we're doing everything online. So that was a little bit scary. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And then what, did you have to go over there eventually, I presume? No, we didn't. So our goal was to import them because it was through COVID. And we just did some calculation in terms of how much it was going to cost to actually get to that. And we said, even if it's overall not cheap anywhere, it would be much more expensive to get there. Then, and then we have to take time off. COVID is still around, risk of lockdown. We're just like, no, we just can't take the risk. We need to find a way to import them into Western Australia. Wow, that's amazing. I thought there was real issues with importing eggs. So I'm really intrigued to find out about that part of your journey. But first of all, could I just ask what the donor selection process was like for you? So basically they sent us uh, through uh, their portal, so it's password protected and for them to protect their donors, obviously, contact photos, and it, really well done. And then they sent me via email the code, and then I could at the time see maybe six or seven of them, and then see if I was interested in any of them. And then if not, then they would send me another lot through that portal. So that's how we selected this donor, and they told us she was already scheduled to give to a family in December. So it was going to be a shared cycle for them. And so because we were getting married in December, we just thought mm, we probably don't have the money anyway. So it's okay if we we wait. And she said, they said they usually want the donor to, to wait for another three or four months before cycling again. So then we said, yeah, we want her. And they sent us the full profile of her. So we saw um, around five photos of her as an adult, their medical history, physical characteristics, medical, yeah, medical history, I'm repeating myself. And, um, and then they ask, they, they ask us a specific question so that we can actually have an understanding of what kind of person she is. Mm-hmm. And I really gel with, with what she said about her, about herself. So we were like, no, she's the match. So Elizabeth, was that the thing that made you realize she was the right donor for you, what she wrote about, or was it like a mixture of different things? I just felt I could have been friends with her, you know, if we were a similar age. I just felt, oh, I can can see myself in her and she seems like a very nice person. And yeah, I was just really, so in terms of her physical characteristics, yeah, she's French Caribbean. Oh, she's a Barbadian, so it's very similar to the French Caribbean. Probably her complexion was slightly lighter than me. That's why it's, it's a bit lighter. But that was not a huge deal for me. She's probably shorter than me as well. But that was just not what was important to us. We wanted someone who was healthy. Obviously, yeah, we didn't want to have to deal with any agility issues and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, Elizabeth, what are the donors in Barbados Anonymous or OpenID? What's that? So it's a, actually interesting status it's not anonymous in the sense that and that's why we managed to import it into Muslim Australia because she agreed to give her her details 
So our son could at 16 have the details if he wishes. So she's anonymous to us, but she's not anonymous to the clinic and to Western Australia. That's amazing. Yeah. So because she wanted to. Yeah. Great. That's such an ideal situation that really, yeah. really is. Yeah. Absolutely. For us, we didn't want to go for the path of anonymous because it was really important for him to know his origin. And, you know, he can place himself in the world and if there's any siblings and yeah, in the world, we can um, go through the clinic and he can research that. It's not just a blank canvas. So it's just like, that's it. You know, you're Australian or you have French. It was, it was paramount for us that we had that option. So yeah. I love that. I love that. What a great option. I don't think many people are made us as much of a, a, an option. So it's really good for any listeners out there that mm. you know, this is really resonating with. So thanks for sharing that. So what was the chances of getting those watered into WA? Well, <laughs> so that was a big task. So one way to say the donor, the next step was to find a local clinic in Perth, uh, which deal with donor egg, obviously I have a knowledge of that. And there's not that many, probably, yeah, I don't want to pronounce myself, but probably two or three, but not that many. And so we selected this clinic and then I got in touch with the coordinator, the donor coordinator program. And, uh, she said, yeah, the next step for you is to uh, make an appointment for fertility specialist. And if you could provide me the email of the coordinator in Barbados, I'm going to start having a chat with her. And then we can put this application, gather all the information for the application. So I think maybe I probably need to go, I don't know if I have the RTC. The RTC is the, um, the organization body who uh, allow any gamut to come to, to Western Australia. So they meet once a month and uh, the application is made through the clinic and they decide whether or not they will accept an importation. So the criteria are quite long. It's quite lengthy. If I remember one of the criteria, so obviously the donor could not be anonymous. The second criteria, she, they have to prove that she wasn't getting paid for more than a certain amount of money. She can't, could be compensated, but not paid. The next criteria, she can't give to more than five family across the world. So I think at this stage she was at, we were the third couple, so it was fine. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen after us, but we were the third couple. And then she, they have to demonstrate that she's been cancelled by a counsellor that is equivalent to, in terms of qualification, than an Australian uh, counsellor. Yeah. And then what was the next criteria? Uh, yeah, she had to give her consent for those, uh, those eggs to be imported to Australia. And how many eggs were imported? 19. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. My gosh, that is so full on. So yeah, you had to do the application. It had to go to a, like a, a monthly meeting. Is that right? Yep. Wait for it to be assessed, wait to yeah. get the agreement and thank goodness you got agreement. Yeah. So yeah. how long did that pro that side of the process take? Okay. So we had a, a point of a fertility species that was uh, January to, to 2022. Then we had to have two compulsory counseling sessions. So that was, that occurred in February, no, March and April, being of April, and then cancel. Uh, so Donna did the cycle for us in March, 19 eggs who were frozen for us. And then mid April, no, being of April, the application was sent to the RTC. And then mid April, we followed the decision that they approved it. 
Wow. Wow. Incredible. So not too bad then. No. Yeah, yeah that's no. amazing. I wonder if that is different in New South Wales compared to other states because at the no idea. legislation changes. Exactly. Um, ter- territory to territory. So, yeah. And, and kudos to you for doing all the research. And also, Elizabeth, what happened in terms of your sort of medical protocol? Did you take any meds on the lead up to your transfer? No. So it was a natural cycle. Right. So no meds at all. So that's what the fetishist specialist was like. He said that would be pretty straightforward. So the only thing I had to do to the lead up was it was to have another ultrasound to check that everything was fine. I didn't have fibroids or things like that on the uterus. And then uh, checking, I think it's fine. And then after that, he said you would only have progesterone five days before the transfer, starting that, and then that will be it twice a day. So I had no drugs at all, no. Amazing. And there is the evidence of your beautiful transfer. Yes. Your arms right now. And he First transfer, yeah. That sleeping peacefully, so beautiful. Yeah. And Ellie, do you feel like you, you're still pinching yourself? Oh, we can't actually believe we managed it. I mean, between the cost and then between, you know, putting this application together, which was huge, yeah, we just can't believe we actually managed it, to be honest. I mean, we were sharing that to our friends and family, and they were like, oh, okay, are you sure that's going to... And it, yeah, it just worked. That's wonderful. Um, what, have your friends and family been supportive? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been amazed that we just pushed through and decided to, uh, yeah, to do it. We're just amazed now, so... You know, I say this to you, everybody... And I really feel this really strongly. It's a, it's a belief of mine. And you know, I believe that that energy of your baby, you know, before your baby came earthside, I really believe that, you know, our children choose us as parents. And that force, that energy is what drives us and drives us and drives us, you know, because yep. we can put ourselves through all of this. Exactly. Yeah, because even with the transfer and feeling waiting for this blood test it was not actually a given at all so we had quite a few hurdles after that okay because the stg level was very low the first blood test it was seven oh my gosh that was seven wow so you had a test and it had seven hcg yeah then it went up to 25 so that was still a concern we were like it can be could be a chemicals really so we're like oh okay but then it went up to to 97 and then 190 something, and then after that it was a thousand. So then they sent us to do ultrasound, and then yeah, everything was there. Oh, so that was nerve wracking those first, yeah. yeah, first few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you feel as the pressure developed? Were you able to relax, or how did you? Yeah, feel? we we found a very good OB, and yeah, she uh, she monitored me very very uh, closely, knowing that I was 45. It was Donna, Gavier. Yeah, she really didn't believe anything unturned uh, and she was very thorough and making sure that, yeah, everything was checked out thoroughly. So, yeah, now we had full confidence in her. And and then, yeah, she delivered our baby as a C-section baby. And, yeah, she didn't take any risks and making sure that baby will come to us. So, here you go. Beautiful, beautiful. And... 
what sort of therapies and self-care have helped you on your journey? Acupuncture. Mm. So a big acupuncture advocate. I did that while we were trying naturally. Uh, that's when I started. And then I did it. Then after that, it turned into, well, that's going to be to prepare my uterus now and not to conceive naturally. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's great. She does a lot of that and knew a lot of women who did it did Donorak but went to Melbourne for it, not so much in WA. Mm. So she was sharing a few stories to encourage me along the, the way and uh, and I'm still doing acupuncture but not postpartum now, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And I saw you also wrote on your form lots of sleep. Yeah, big yeah. sleeper. Yeah. yeah, not so much now <laughs> but hours before. And, you know, sleep is amazing because it, it really does help to balance out your hormones, you know. And Absolutely. You know, hormone treatment. So, you know, that sleep helps you. <laughs> Absolutely. And and weight training. Tell me about your weight training. Oh, I used to do, like, the classic F45, uh, yeah, things like that. I stopped in April because, yeah, um, my fertility specialist told me probably we need to slow this down. And so... So I had a gap where I wasn't really doing anything. But then when I, I fall pregnant, I started doing a reformer Pilates. So I did that all the way through the pregnancy, along with some hydrotherapy as well towards yeah. the end. Yeah, lovely. That's lovely. Something a bit more gentle, just yeah. support your body. Giving you- yeah, exactly. Yeah, lovely. And what kind of, what advice would you give to anybody that's on this journey Wow, I can't remember when I wrote, but I feel to be able to survive this journey, you need to be very well surrounded. If you have a partner, obviously, you need to work as a team because if one of them is not on board, that's going to be very complicated. You need to decide how far you prepare to go, and that needs to be a common decision as well. Because if one is that wants to go far and the other one doesn't, that's an issue. And then, yeah, and it just worked towards that goal, really. I mean, for us, that was a financial commitment, you know, how are we going to spend, how are we going to find that money and, uh, you know, what are the other thing that we're going to sacrifice to reach that goal? So, I mean, for us, it's been quite full on because we bought a property in June 2021. We got married at the end of 2021. So... Yeah, we, there was two years of spending a lot of money. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so when we bought this well, this property, we decided we would have the IVF in the behind, so we need to keep some money for that. So we didn't take on a big mortgage at all because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, money is always a huge factor. It really, really is. And that's why I'm sharing real stories from people that, you know, normal working class people that, you know, have to find the means somehow to do this. And, yeah, I obviously can see the the very content look on your face as you're gazing into your beautiful boy's eyes. And, you know, obviously the journey's worth everything you know yeah, it was worth everything that's for sure yeah oh that's beautiful and look I'm, I'm gonna sign off because i know you've you know you've got a newborn in your arms and i don't want to keep you from him but i want to say thank you so much for sharing your story no for helping people that are behind you on their journey and i wish you all the best of your gorgeous boy and i'm sure we'll connect at some point in the future 
Thank you. No problem. Happy to share. Wonderful. Dear listeners, if you enjoy this episode, you might want to join my free Facebook group called Donor Egg IVF Emotion Support. It's for attended parents considering a donor egg pathway. There are beautiful people there from all over the world, and I'd love to see you there too. If you're interested in connecting or finding out more about the online courses that I offer, all the links are in my show notes. Sending love and bye for now.